Last week we talked about, and we, we ended the message on knowing God's will or pursuing God's will, and talking about freedom in Christ and what that means and, and uh, how we're able to pursue uh, God without uh, being held back by fear, by guilt, by shame. Uh, and so we, we talked about how we could do that by spending time in prayer. Uh, we do, uh, personally, that's important for you. Yes, every day, of course. Why, I hope your whole life is, as you're walking and, and uh, working and playing and all that, your whole life is in communication with God. That's what I call prayer. There is a specific time to sit down for devotional time as well. But also Sunday morning, we do prayer time. And I really want to encourage you to come early morning prayer. This is a type of prayer that's not necessarily about our needs, but it's about the needs of the community, the community within and the community without. So we just sit there and we contemplate. It's nice. It takes time. So if you're looking for that opportunity, please come around 9.35 and do that uh, in, on Sunday mornings and it goes till 10. And then it's just a nice quiet time of prayer. So uh, I would encourage you to do that. It's very... It's a nice feeling to come and sit in church and just pray and it be quiet and uh, you know just enjoy God's presence and uh, ask Him to speak to us. We also said so. Spending time in prayer, we talked about um, we talked about trusting that God would provide for us. We talked about surrendering our own desires and plans to God. That's the tough one. We struggle with that. Uh, we like our own plans, and we don't want to give up our own ideas. But there are times you've got to lay it down. You've got to lay it down and see what he's asking you to do. We talked about overcoming fear, guilt, and shame. And the, the, the highest one on the whole thing is you have to take action. You've got to do something about it. Christianity doesn't happen to you. Okay, Jesus already paid the price. That's done. You gotta do something. There's an action, there's a response now. And so we need to respond in a good way. But today I wanna to talk about continuing that. I wanna talk about community within the church. Uh, and I also wanna to touch a little bit about outside the church and our neighbor and all that, but, but really important as a unified body. And I know that over the past few years, past three years for sure, the church has been divided. It's been uh, conflicted with a whole bunch of things that are secondary issues that are not primary issues. And we get all excited about our beliefs and theology and all that. But, uh, you know, as long as you keep the main thing the main thing, and as far as I'm concerned, Jesus, you know, came, died, rose. He's, he's it, son of God. Uh, for your sins, that, that's the key. The rest of it, we can discuss. The rest of it, like, like adults, of course, we can discuss uh, reasonable uh, discussions about these other things that we believe so uh, strongly about. And it's okay to have strong beliefs and mine to be a little different than yours. And, but there is one thing we have in common, and that's Jesus Christ. And so I really hope as we move forward in this series, in our church, and in your own faith, that you recognize that uh, you know, some people are just on different journeys and they're working their stuff out. They're working their stuff out. And maybe they don't quite have the thought of what you have in their mind when it comes to belief systems of Scripture and all that. But you know what? It takes time. And uh, we need to allow room for that. And we also need to pour into people's lives. But today we're going to talk about that Christian community. And I look at Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 to 47. I'm going to read it for you. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their 
homes and they ate together with glad, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So at the very end of the service, we have uh, lawyers out front. They're going to sign over your property as we leave. I'm just kidding. Um, But, you know, the Christian community, the creation of the Christian community is probably one of the most tangible consequences of the resurrection. Uh, Christian community, our community, is meant to be the extension of Jesus Christ into the entire world. And our relationship with God, even back into Israel, was always supposed to be that. It was supposed to be an example to the entire world. And it still is now. And sometimes we miss that. And I know we've missed it as as Christianity as a whole. We've missed the mark in many different areas. And, and, you know, we make mistakes. That's okay. People make mistakes. Christians make mistakes. But we've got to learn from those and we've got to move forward. The Christian community, it began so quickly after Jesus' ascension um, that it was probably very difficult to manage. It was probably very difficult. Uh, but, it, but it came together, and it began to take shape. You'll see that in Acts chapter 2. It talks about that. Uh, but there was a true sense of direction for believers after the Pentecost, now, they, they might not have understood it fully, but they had a vision, they had a direction. They, knew, they felt Jesus was coming back again. They didn't know when, they didn't understand what the full thing meant, but, but they had a purpose. And that Christian community was designed to be one of the primary attractors for Christianity. Our gathering together, even today, is to be a primary attractor to Christianity, to the belief in Jesus Christ, so much so that the complete opposite of that can and does happen. People can be turned away. So if people can be turned to, know that they can be turned away. Why? Because of how we act. If we act one way and they know, and know that we're Jesus' disciples... Or we act another way and they go, that can't possibly be right. And if it is, I don't want any part of it. There's two sides. And we need to be very careful how we are as an example. Again, we make mistakes. There are problems. But as a group, as a whole, we need to be very careful. Because people will leave. And I know many people who have left because they were hurt by Christianity. Now, there's always other factors involved as well. There's personalities, there's all sorts of stuff like that, and there's our belief system, there's our theologies that we take, that we run with, we'll die on a hill for certain things that are secondary. But I think it all comes down to the heart, and it all comes down to how we present ourselves, within our community and without. I've had lots of conversations with people who do not believe or have a, a bad example from the past uh, in their journey, and my, the only way I can do is just have an open conversation with them where I don't judge their opinions. I ask questions. When they are accusing of certain things, I'm like, well, that's understandable. Like, I can see how some people would say that, but, but what were the parameters around that conversation, and why do you think that was the way it was, and what was going on in that person's life? I try to ask as many questions to get them thinking outside, because here's the thing. Nobody wants to base their decisions on something as important as God. If if he's real, 
I don't want to base my decision on him because of how other people act. But the same thing goes that we are known by how we act. So we're known that we're disciples of Jesus by how we act. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's a, it's a problem. Because our example is that example, but we shouldn't base our belief system on how other people act. Even though Scripture says they're going to base their decision on me by how we act. Oh, that's tough. So the importance comes back down to how we act. We were meant to be distinguishable. We were. From all surrounding persons by how we treat each other. And you know what? I just happen to have a scripture for you. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you. I beat this one a lot, but too bad for you. Good for you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we're taking scripture seriously, there it is. One theologian says this, that there was a new feature of community, Christ's love to his people in giving his life as a ransom for them. And it was altogether new. And consequently, it was a model. It was a standard for theirs to one another. It's talking about sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. It's nothing new, but it has a different twist to it. We find that the commandment to love one another is not new. It was the Christ's example of that love that became entirely new, which was sacrificial. But if we look back in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 says this, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I, that's pretty straightforward. There's no having to, to retranslate this and try to figure this one out. That's pretty clear. Leviticus, just a few, little longer, in, in that same chapter 19, verse 34, says, The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. That's interesting, very interesting, because he says, you're going to do this, and you know why? Because you were an alien in someone else's land. So you're going to do this, and you do it right. So even in Leviticus, the Old Testament, it's talking about this. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 19. So show your love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. There seems to be a theme here, people. There seems to be a pattern. These verses from Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they emphasize the importance of loving God and loving one's neighbor as ourselves. They're foundational, these commands on all the laws and prophets, and in the New Testament it says they hang on this. They're connected to a larger theme of holiness, of obedience, and of unity. By following these commands, the Israelites were able to create a community that was centered on love and on compassion, and that reflected God's character to the world. 
They were to be an example from those around them. And, it, and it's interesting. I might have mentioned it last week, or maybe it was uh, me just thinking to myself. I can't remember. But all of Israel was to be ruled by God. They were to not have anyone rule over them other than God. What happens when they start going out and other countries invade and all these things start happening? They start seeing that other countries have kings. What does Israel do? They're like, God, we want a king like all the other countries. It's not fair. We're so different. We want this other type of rule. And God's like, why would you need anything? You have me. You don't need anything else. And then finally they whined enough, and God said, you know what? I'm going to give them. I'm going to give them that ruler. And they're going to have all the problems they could ever possibly have with that type of rulership. And they did. They did. And he lays out in Scripture what those problems are going to be when you have a king who's in charge and has all the riches and the spoils of war. Talks about it. What he's going to do. He's going to send your sons into battle. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to take your money. He's going to take your crops. He's going to take everything. And that's what the kings did. All because they wanted to be like everyone else. Do you know that nowadays... You know, it can go extreme in many directions, but it's okay to not be like everyone else. It's okay. It doesn't mean you dislike everyone. It doesn't mean you hate everyone. It's okay to have different. Be different. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21 says, Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Proverbs 12, 26 says, one who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. There's so many scriptures. We could keep going on. And in, in, in Old Testament times, and as well as in the New Testament, there, and, and, and even now, there were and are plenty of pious religious leaders and tradition today, religious people. And back then, it was often due to a lack of love in the sense that we're talking about of sacrificial love that Jesus had. As often as it happens in church culture, many religious people of that day and today, they, we create this system, this system of hierarchy based on, and back then it was based on public performance. That's why they were in the street saying how wonderful they are. Thank God I'm not as bad as this person. Look at me how awesome I am. And it was because of that public performance that they were acting this way instead of a sincere and sacrificial acts of love that they are being called out today. And you can compare it today. You can compare it to how we act in our Christian status. I remember growing up, there were certain things you had to do in church. It had nothing to do with God. It might have started out that way. We always had to dress up suit and tie, which is fine. I got no problem with suit and tie. I like a suit and tie. I like a good suit and tie. No issue. But that doesn't mean you don't have, you have to wear it. You, you can come in jeans. You can come in flip-flops. Sometimes I am a sinner, and I do wear flip-flops, <clears throat> even though it's against my own church policy on stage. But they're comfortable. It's not a bad thing. Jesus did wear sandals. <clears throat> That's right. But we have all these systems. In place, what, what constitutes appropriateness or religious piety? Prosperity. 
how much money we have, what kind of car we drive. Prosperity churches are they're everywhere. And, and, and it's, it has snuck into the church. Um, maybe not so sneaky, but it's in there. It's in there. And then, of course, in my world of hanging out with other pastors is how big is your church? How big is your church? Do you have a coffee bar at your church? Do you have a this? Do you have a that? And I'm like, don't care. Wish I did. <laughs> the point is, we don't need to compare. But we do that. Pastors roll in. Celebrity pastors are so cool. Everybody's like, wow, look at them. Their church is so big. You know, there's been lots of pastors I've known that are in big churches that character stinks. Just saying, it happens. And there's a lot of people that walk in and think they're religious that are not, that think they're close to God, but they're so far away, it's unbelievable. Because it's about here. It's about our heart. It doesn't matter how we dress. It doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter what we drive. It doesn't matter how big our church is. It doesn't matter what church we go to. I don't know how many times I've been invited to go to a local church that used to be a big thing now. I don't know what it is. I don't follow it. I don't want to use his name, but you probably know it rhymes with rillage. Um, and I was asked to go to it. I said, Gee, it's okay. I, I, I'm good. I don't need to go to it. And they're like, no, 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 but you should really go. And I'm like... You know I'm a pastor of my own church, right? And like, yeah, but you should go. I can't go to that other church. And they're like, oh, it's so good. They're telling me all the things they're doing. That's great. But I can't go because I have a church, a group of people that we commune together. I can't do that. And everybody's trying to push and push and push. Well, it's the, it's the place to be. Not according to me. It doesn't matter what church it is. It matters your heart. It matters where you are. It matters what you're doing. What are you doing? It doesn't have to be trendy. It doesn't have to be cool. It has to be doing something for Jesus Christ. And we see a lot of this kind of stuff in, in the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know the story. The religious people walk by, and then the one who's, you know, everybody thinks is lower because he's part Jew and part Gentile. Everybody's like, eh. But he actually serves, takes the person gets them, puts them up at an inn, pays for their medical, but all that. You know the story. The example's right there. If you're not doing that, if you're not sacrificially loving others, then there's a problem. Jesus really nails that home. But religious piety versus the common, normal person. You see... James chapter 2 talks about this a little bit about how we speak to each other. By saying, uh, like, it defines the lines betw between saying nice words and taking action on behalf of uh, talking about the Pharisees and how they stood in the, in the uh, roads, talking about how spiritual they are, but not putting their money where their mouth is, as compare, compared to the Good Samaritan. So we can get away from community because of all these things, all this nonsense. We can be like, that's oh, just too much. I can't deal with it all. I, I, and, and then we, we retreat. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't retreat. As humans, we are wired to seek community. It doesn't matter what the world says to you today where you can go to church at home and you can watch everything online or you don't have to be involved in anything. It's false. It's a lie because we are wired this way. Why do you think cults have such a really good 
um, you know, admission rate. Because people are looking. They desire a psychological and a spiritual connection. They're seeking after truth, some kind of truth. It might not be true, but they're seeking for it. They're looking for it. And they're also looking for something where they can be spiritual together with others. We are looking for it. Yes, there are the odd you know, anomalies where people are completely recluse and, and, and all that, but I'm saying we are generally wired to want to be in a community and to serve and to help and to come alongside others. Uh, early church leader Augustine said in his book, The Confessions of St. Augustine, he said, Thou madest for thyself, and our heart is restless until the repose in thee. Translated, this. It means we were created by God, and our hearts are always looking for a sense of belonging and peace that only can be found in him. We often feel lost. We often feel restless because we are searching for that sense of belonging with God and with others, which is what Jesus brought to us through his death and through his resurrection. And so we need to understand that the Christian community is both fueled by Christians and fueled for Christians. By and for it's a symbiotic circle. The church is the body of Christ. There isn't one without the other. The Christian community is not a burden. It is not a detraction from the work of Jesus Christ. It is a gift to those who take on Christ's name. And it is essential and is a life-changing part of our Christian living. We need the community together. So, we talk about how we need it. We need it, we need it, we need it. So, how do we do this? Well, I got five real quick ideas for you that we can engage, how we can engage in this community. One is we pursue spiritual growth. Seek out opportunities to grow your faith through attending different types of events, through reading uh, Christian books. Uh, figure, sign up for something and get involved, whether it's a life group here at the church, whatever. Read. Right now, where I'm taking uh, our life group through Mere Christianity. If you want to read a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity that will blow your face off theologically, I want you to read Mere Christianity. It is awesome, and I forgot how awesome it was because I hadn't read it in a very long time. read it again. Come on. Go buy the book. I don't have stocks in it. Just go buy it, okay? You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on audio. You can get it on however, and it is good. It'll, it'll, it'll stretch you. I promise you. Secondly, invest in Christian community, and that's by joining life groups as well, attending church regularly, coming and serving at the church, connecting with other Christians. Super important to get involved. Reach out to somebody in, the, in, in our church that you know or in the community. Invite them to come join you for a coffee or for a meal. Serve in the community. We have lots of opportunities for you to do that. We've got the school lunch program. Uh, we've got people that uh, work at the, that volunteer at the Cloverdale Community Kitchen that help feed those that are in need. There's lots of opportunity, and they do it together. You can be a part of that. Thirdly, emphasize sacrificial love. Um, look for opportunities to sacrificially serve someone, even when it's difficult or the one that we all don't like when it's inconvenient. Ah, I'm so busy, I've got too many things to do. But find one person. Find one person and serve them somehow. Look for it this week in a practical way. Practical way. Why do you think Jesus did fish and bread? 
You can't talk to people when they're starving. You can't talk to them. I was thinking about giving energy bars when you walk into the church, just in case, just in case anybody's got some hangry things going on this morning. But sacrificial love, look for those opportunities. Uh, fourthly, live authentically. Be you. Be you. No one has made God. Listen, this is what frustrates me so much. Be you. God has called you to do something cool, and it doesn't mean it could be grandiose. It just could be. It, it, but what it means is you are very specific. You are very unique, and some are uniquer than others. I'll tell you that one for the but you are unique, and no one can speak to the people that you speak to like you can. Know that. Take that and own it. Don't, don't leave here today and think that you have to be something you're not, that you must walk around and talk like this, you know. I think that God is very good today and, you know, lovely, 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 whatever. Like, no, you be you. You don't have to change how you act or, or how you look. Or it, just be you. And let God speak through you. Because I, I guarantee you there are places that I can't go where you go. And there are places that you go where I can't go. Trust me on that one. You wouldn't want to go some of the places I go. <laughs> but you can speak to different types of people. You have that ability. God has placed you where you are. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening. So be authentic. Be real. Be who you are, and be honest about your difficulties in difficult times. Be honest about your struggles. And I'm not saying you go out and talk about it to everybody in the whole entire world and just blah, blah, blah. But what I'm saying is in the opportunities when you can say and be vulnerable when you need to be in a, in a very responsible, respectful way, obviously, you should be able to do that. And when they're struggling, they can see eye to eye. Be you. Be authentic. Don't try to be something you're not. Now, there is a balance between improving yourself and not falling into the same old habits and stuff. But there are times when you need to be you on a regular basis. Be you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that doesn't mean you get away with anything. Let's be clear. Okay, we've got, there's a balance, okay? doesn't mean you go around going, well, God just made me be offensive, so I'm just going to be offensive to everybody. And you know what? The gospel's offensive, so therefore I'm offensive, so then you're going to be offended. No. No, absolutely not. Be authentic. Don't be a jerk about it. I'm going to move to number five because I don't want to get on, on my tangent here. Number five, live with purpose. Have a purpose-driven life and put God at the center of that. Focus on serving and glorifying God. Take time to reflect on your goals today and ask God to show you how you can use your abilities, your talents, your resources to serve others and advance his kingdom. This scripture today shows us the very importance of Christian community and how it was established. As Christians, we're called to love, we're called to serve one another, just as Jesus did. This is a big call. I'm not saying you're going to be able to do it all today, but try. It's our responsibility to create and maintain communities that glorify God by, by loving one another, by serving one another, by doing acts of service. So I challenge you today to pursue, to actively pursue spiritual growth, to invest in the Christian community, attend church regularly, join life groups or Bible studies, whatever you want to call them, and look 
for ways to serve and connect with others is going to change your life because when you're down, people will come around you, and when you're up, you can come around them. It's how it works. Let's strive to build a strong Christian community that reflects that love to the world so that others will know that we're his followers. Amen? There's going to be some times in the next little bit where your faith will be stretched, where you might not see what's happening, not only in your own life, but also within the church itself as we move forward in our vision, as we want to, we want to make a difference here in the community by doing this project. We, we're not doing this project so that we can say, look at what we built and have a golden statue of Mark with wings on the top of the building. That's not why we're doing it. We're doing it so we can reach the community, so we have the resources to do it. Because church is changing. Times are changing, and we need to change with it. And as we do that, there will be times where we don't have the answers and you don't have the answers and all you got are questions, but God has the answer. And when you walk in faith, not, not like reckless, ridiculous, irresponsible faith, but reckless faith as in I put it in God and he's going to open the doors and close the doors. That's where I'm putting everything, everything in his hands. And he's the one who will make that call. And if he doesn't, he'll have something else. And that's all that matters, but that's what I'm putting my faith in, in him. He's given us this vision, this path for this community to do this. doesn't mean we stop doing things now. It just means we've got a vision to do even more things in the future and better things in the future. We continue the path, but know that walking by faith is difficult. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. And not everyone does. If you want to be stretched in your faith, come along on this ride with us because I'm telling you, it is going to stretch you. And I like that. I like being stretched. I like change. I like being a ruckus for God. And this could be that. And so I want to encourage you to come alongside, to get involved, to serve others, to serve God, to serve this community. And let's move forward. Because, but we got to start here. If we're not doing it here, you won't do it out there. So let's do it here, and then they'll know who Jesus Christ is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I just pray that as we go our separate ways this morning, thank you for the example you've given us in Scripture all throughout, old and new, of how we're to love our neighbors, we're to love you, we're to love others. Help us to do that here and help that spread out so that we can take this community, Cloverdale, Langley, Surrey, for you. And that those that are seeking community, those that are looking for that, that vacuum inside of them where they need Jesus Christ, but they don't know how, they don't know what to do about it, that they will see this love of the communities around us. I pray for the other churches in the area, that they will be a light to you. Help us as a community to show the love of Jesus Christ in these times that are just wild and crazy. Thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, but thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, God bless you. I hope you have a great week out there. Enjoy the gray skies and rain, uh, but it will be sunny soon. God bless you. See you next week.